This is Chris. Welcome to episode 183 of X-Lapsed, where uh, I am not my best self today. Uh, I had mentioned on a previous episode that I'd gotten the uh, second uh, COVID vaccine, and I heard that that did a number on people, and um, I kind of I thought people were overreacting. You know, I thought people were exaggerating, and it really wasn't that bad, and, uh, and for a lot of people it isn't that bad, but... Uh, for some folks, uh, myself included, I've discovered, uh, you start to show some of the symptoms here. And uh, I tell you, that makes for a very unpleasant time. Um, I hear that this only lasts like a day or two, so I'm, I'm probably through the worst of it here. It's just that I uh, didn't get any sleep last night. Um, I was suffering from hot flashes, of all things. And uh, I suppose that is... Actually, I know that it, that is a uh, side effect of this uh, inoculation. I, I was reading about it uh, not too long ago. But, uh, you know, I hear about hot flashes, and uh, it's usually associated with menopause, stuff like that. And I would always think, like, uh, a hot flash. You know, I live in Arizona. How bad can that be? Right? How bad can a hot flash be? It's always hot here. And, well, last night I found out. Um... It's a whole different <laughs> sort of hot, and it just overwhelms you. It it bathes you in just absolute heat, and uh, makes for a very very unpleasant you know trying to sleep experience. So uh, I'm working with very little sleep, <laughs> but uh, as we say on the X Labs program, we uh, we got a mission and we got to do the thing. So we're gonna do the thing here. We're gonna talk about uh, more King and Black, actually, the uh, penultimate episode of King and Black coverage. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, this is gonna be the second to last episode of this. But uh, today we're gonna be taking a look off the beaten path over to Savage Avengers number 18. Now this had an April 2021 cover date. The story's called Chapter 18: The Nightflyer Job, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Kev Walker. Colors, Java Tartaglia. Letters, VCs Travis Lanham. Edits, Byro Smith Brevort Sobolski. Cover price, $3.99. This one went on sale February 17 of 2021. Now, we don't have a roll call in this issue, but we do have the uh, full-page spread of catch-up and cred, so we will uh, do our best to navigate this. This is the first issue of Savage Avengers I've read. Um, I own a handful of them because... Uh, well, I've heard nothing but good things about it, despite the fact that, I mean, Conan, uh, even on its best day, is not my cup of tea here. Uh, I still uh, got pulled in here. I mean, this is Jerry Duggan, one of our favorites on the show, and uh, seems like a fun thing here. Uh, from what I've been told, this is less an Avengers book and more of like a Conan team-up book. So it's Conan 
you know, uh, meeting and greeting and, uh, you know, shaking hands with a bunch of our uh, regular old Marvel Universe characters here. So I think that could be a very, very fun little trip to uh, to go on uh, once I figure out how to have more hours in the day. But uh, we're starting here. <laughs> we're going to start here with issue 18 here. Now let's do the catch-up page. We're going to try to navigate this best we can. Uh, we have some King and Black stuff. Uh, Null is the creator and god of alien symbiotes. And I didn't know that, so uh, okay then. Now he's gotten out of his prison at the, ex- eng- at the edge, easy for me to say, of the galaxy. Now he and his symbiote dragons have arrived on Earth. Now, in recent issues of Savage Avengers, Conan was arrested for being a public nuisance after, quote, rabble-rousing. He was taken to Rikers Island, where his cellmates were Deadpool and Nightflyer. And I hear you asking, and, uh, well, I was asking as well, who, who in the hell is Nightflyer? Well, Nightflyer was a late 70s Captain America villain who, if the Marvel Wiki's to be believed, is dead. I, uh, maybe want to update that one, folks. I, I know it's that unglamorous sort of grunt work that won't get you very many internet high fives, but you probably ought to if you're going to maintain a wiki. Now, we won't even talk about how silly it is to put, you know, Deadpool and two other rabble-rousers in the same cell, but we'll just move ahead here. Now, the three of them bust out. Duh. Uh, Night, Night Flyer promised Conan and Deadpool a new hideout. Now, on the way there, they got into a fight with some goop dragons. Then it was revealed that Conan had a long dormant bit of symbiote goop within him who emerged promising to help him defeat Kulan Gath. Kulan Gath, however we say that. And yeah, not my favorite character. Uh, that, I think I'm one of the very few people uh, out there uh, of the X-Fan variety who doesn't look back at that two or three part Kulan Gath story in what was like Uncanny one. 85, 86-ish? It was the late 100s. I hear people waxing nostalgic for that uh, story, and I just hated it. (laughs) I thought it was so dull. Um, But anyway, that brings us up to speed, and uh, hopefully I understood these few paragraphs right and uh, passed that information on to you as well. Now we open with Conan wrestling with his sword while a wee little venom-headed symbiote has extended from its hilt. It, the the symbiote, that is, gives Conan, and us, I suppose, the quick and dirty on its origin story. Now, it fell to Earth a millennia ago. It was captured in a jar and found by a merchant who would sell it to a sorcerer. Now, this was Mekri-Ka, the Sorcerer Supreme. Now, Mekri-Ka is apparently the man who murdered Kulan Gath back back during the Hyborian era and took over his identity. Though I'm not sure if that's still his story due to what we're about to see. Now, he treated the symbiote genie as a pet. Then, Kulan Gath arrives, and after taking the power of Mekri-Ka, attempted to consume the symbiote, like literally eat it. He was unsuccessful on the consumption, but he would hold on to the symbiote for thousands of years, all the while torturing it. So here's the thing. This symbiote wants revenge on Gath and pleads with Conan for them to work together in, you know, meeting that end. He claims as soon as Gath is defeated, it, the symbiote, will leave. And so, not figuring anything's wrong with this, Conan agrees. Now, this is all going down in the prison yard, or like right outside it, and before the trio can fully get away, they're attacked by more symbiotic beasties. Conan scares them away just by yelling at them, which might be the most effective defense against this lot yet. 
though, in fairness, he is wielding a symbiote sword, and that might have something to do with it. Anyway, at this point, Deadpool gets shot in the head by a prison guard. Conan slings Wade over his shoulder and beelines it toward a horse. They ride away into the night, with a night flyer gliding above. That's worth noting here that Nightflyer appears to leave some very bright light in his wake. It's like a very, very shiny trip he goes on here, which probably doesn't aid in the getaway being as clean as it maybe could be. We jump ahead a half hour, and we join our heroes at the bar with no name. In a, in a cute bit, the getaway horse has actually stood at the bar with the heroes here, as a, I guess it is something of a fugitive at this point as well. Now, Nightflyer's lawyer approaches with something NF had requested from the freezer. NF tells his lawyer to prepare a spot for a big old duffel full of cash. Wade wakes up, has a drink, and reminds us that it's his 30th anniversary. And uh, nobody seems to care. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Wade, because I can relate. Uh, I'm used to people not caring about anniversaries and milestones, too. We jump ahead a bit, and our trio are headed to their new digs, or a place where, where a treasure might be. Or maybe both, I don't know. But it turns out this place, well, uh, their current or previous occupants of this place have relocated to somewhere in the South Pacific. Huh, that's right. Uh, The place they're set to rob is the Hellfire Club. Now, Wade is a little bit concerned, and he informs Conan that these are Logan's people, to which Conan asks him to prove that he's more than Logan, which is kind of ice cold. Nightflyer uses a stolen finger in order to bypass the fingerprint scanner at the door, and in they go. Inside, there are bags upon bags of cold, hard cash. Deadpool wonders if they have banks on Krakoa, which I guess is a decent enough question. Um, I'm not even sure if they have a treasury department, do we know? Unless maybe that's what we're looking at right now. So our heroes go to grab up a bunch of dough, when suddenly, the nearby Krakoan gateway activates, and through it walk... Some marauders, Callisto, Iceman, and Bishop. They, as you might imagine, aren't all that keen on having uninvited guests. Callisto threatens Wade, who then mocks her for having tiny knives. And so she slits his throat with those tiny knives. Uh, Bishop tells the three to split, to which Conan throws the bleeding out Wade on him. Iceman states that they don't have time to waste because they're on the job. Now, that job being, if I'm not mistaken, is helping the Cyclops Who Laughs and the Storm Who Laughs, which picks up from uh, the King and Black Marauders one-shot, which we discussed back in episode 160. Not that there would be an uh, editorial footnote to point us in that direction. Nightflyer tries to convince the Marauders that he's on their side, because uh, he says his mother was a mutant. Now, the Marvel Wiki is no help in confirming or denying that little bit of info, which really isn't much of a surprise. Now, when this doesn't work, NF tosses a flashbang grenade and, I think, flees the scene. Now, off to the side, Kalisto and Deadpool fight. Deadpool is still a bit hurt that he isn't being included on on all the Krakoan fun. He thinks it's uncool that the Marauders is full of stabby people, and they picked Bishop instead of him. In fairness to the Marauders, Kalisto is really the only stabby person tangentially related to that team, right? I'm trying to think of anybody else with a sword or a blade. Uh, I don't know. Now, Callisto, she stabs Wade in the head. She tells him that she wishes he were a mutant, so that way he could be tossed in the hole. Uh, question. Um, I wonder if non-Krakoans are even a, are supposed to like know that there's a hole? 
It seems like that might be a human-slash-mutant rights violation or something. I mean, countries have invaded other countries for far less than that. Conan socks Kalisto in the mush, but is then caught in a Bobby Drake ice storm. This is no matter to Conan, as he's, you know, a barbarian, so ice storms ain't no thing. He accuses Bobby of being a descendant of Ymir. Now, Ymir is an ice giant from way back in the long ago. His first appearance was Journey into Mystery Number 97 from October 1963, just a month after Bobby himself showed up. Conan then, well, he smites poor Bobby Drake with his symbiote blade. And so Bobby is shattered into a million Betsy bits, and that's where we leave it. Next episode, we're going to stick with Savage Avengers and hopefully be wrapping up our King and Black coverage overall with Savage Avengers number 19. But for now, let's talk about this issue. Um, I want to start by uh, mentioning something I forgot at the outset here. The cover of this issue, the main cover, of course, it features uh, Conan and Deadpool like sitting in these big chairs toasting one another under uh, portraits of Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw. Um, I tell you, even if this had absolutely nothing to do with the show, I would have wanted to own this this comic for that cover. I, I think this cover is just wonderful. It just jumps off the shelf at you. It was one of the first things that made me actually like give Savage Avengers a little bit of side eye. It was just like, wait, that is a cool-looking cover, and I want to know what's going on inside there. I mean, Deadpool and Conan? Well, why the hell not, right? Now, that said, I have never, ever, 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 ever cared about Conan. Ever. Like, seriously, ever. I found stacks upon stacks of those old Conan magazines and quarter bins, and I never pick them up because I just don't care. I have no interest in the character, nor his Hyborian setting, right? But here, well, uh, this was a lot of fun. Um... Now, I can't say that I'm inspired to check out any of the old Hiberian Conan stuff, but I am 100% interested in grabbing as much Savage Avengers as I can get my grubby hands on here because this was a lot of fun, and I love the concept of this being a like a free-rotating sort of kind of Conan team-up book. I think this, this could be a lot of fun, especially under uh, Jerry Duggan's pen. Now, that said, this becomes one of our classic X-lapsed good news, bad news situations because I really, really enjoyed this, but there ain't a whole lot to say about it, right? I mean, we are going to get to the conclusion next time, so it's uh, it's kind of hard to drop theories now when we're that close to uh, getting where we're going to get. And frankly, I don't have any theories to, um, to put out there because this is a fairly cut-and-dry sort of a story here. We're... We're continuing from our Marauders one-shot, right? Which, I mean, I complain about this all the time, but please, can you give us an editorial footnote? <laughs> if, if we are actually following up on that, we've got Bobby coming in saying, hey, we're on the clock, we're in New York for a reason. And last we saw them, they were in New York for a reason, and that was to rescue Cyclops and Storm. And that was basically the entire point of the... Um, the King and Black Marauders one-shot before it got uh, sidetracked by the uh, the human traffickers. So I, I like that we're actually continuing it. I would have liked it even more had there been a footnote to remind people. So people who are just Avengers readers here, because I, 
I'm just an X-Men reader, right? So I couldn't tell you a thing going on in, in Avengers outside of the, like, broadest strokes. I know there's something going on with the Phoenix, and I know that they've revealed who the Phoenix is, but I don't know how they became the Phoenix. I don't know how the Phoenix chose them. I don't know anything else about that. So I gotta assume there are people on the other side of the aisle who uh, will read Avengers and not really pay much mind to the X-Men stuff, so... A, they may not care who the Marauders are and why they're here, or B, they may be interested but just not know where to go, you know? So I think we should always, you know, err on the side of caution here with uh, with the editorial footnotes here. They don't take up that much space, and uh, it's nice to get a reminder that we're reading comics every now and again, even, even if people don't think that that's the coolest thing in the world to do. But uh, it was cool to see that picked up. Um, I think another takeaway I have here is the cliffhanger. Now, this cliffhanger is, and you know, like I just said, um, there might be Avengers readers out there who are buying this and not paying any attention to the X-Men corner of the, uh, of the Marvel Universe. They might know they're on an island, you know, they might know that there's heroes and villains cohabitating together. Maybe they don't know a whole lot about the resurrection protocols, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of people do, but on the off chance, maybe there are some who don't. So you have Bobby Drake get shattered into a you know a million Betsy bits, right? For us, that ain't no thing, right? For for a handful of reasons. A, they're not going to kill Bobby Drake in a in an issue of Avengers, right? B, if he is dead, we resurrect him and he's back in a num- in just a handful of panels anyway. So it's kind of a I don't want to say it's a lazy cliffhanger, but it's a cliffhanger that really isn't. You know, um, there is there are no stakes to it. There's nothing. We're not going to be clutching our pearls. We're not worried. It's just like, oh, this. It reminds me of, um, boy, I think it was either the first or the second arc on Brand New Day Spider-Man. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't need to explain what that is, but uh, on the off chance that I do, um, Peter Parker and Mary Jane used to be married, and in a story called One More Day. They traded their wedding, their marriage, for the life of Aunt May, who was in critical condition. They, they made a deal with the devil, literally, Mephisto. And so, everything was weird. Peter Parker was single and uh, appeared to be younger. And we had, and, and also, in the lead-up to, uh, to One More Day, Peter Parker had unmasked during Civil War, I think it was number two. So everybody knew who Peter Parker was. So with Brand New Day, they undid that. That was part of the uh, that was part of the spell. The secret identity was back. Um, also in the lead up, uh, Peter had organic webbing, kind of like he did uh, from what I hear in the movies. I think he had organic webbing in those movies, but he went back to having the mechanical web shooters. So it was like a really like a back to basic sort of thing, but in the absolute worst possible way to do such a uh, such a drastic measure. But what I'm getting at here, I'm taking the scenic route to do so, is either the first or the second arc, and this is when Spider-Man went to be a thrice-monthly book. So there were three three Wednesdays of every month, he had a Spider-Man book. And it would be like a three-issue arc by one writer and one, one creative team, right? Then the next month it would be a three-issue arc by another creative team. They called them the Spidey Brain Trust. And I might be having, I might have the numbers off here. I don't know if maybe there was alternating in there or not, but... For the sake of argument, we'll just say they they did them all in one clump. And at the end of one of the very, very first arcs, they did a freak out with, or a fake out, I should say, with Spidey being unmasked. 
And, you know, you look at that and you think, okay, we just undid that. You know, what are you, what are you wasting our time here for? What are you trying to do here? And that's how I feel with this Bobby Drake um, being shattered thing here. It's like, really? <laughs> we, we know he's not dying. We know he's not uh, going to be, he's not going to be off the board. And if he does die, he's coming right back. So not my favorite kind of cliffhanger, but uh, it's the one we got. And thankfully, we don't have to wait long to uh, see it play out because next episode we will be wrapping this up. And uh, we will, if the cover's to be believed, we will be seeing the Cyclops who laughs and uh, the Storm who laughs. So we will uh, get through that. And I think that might just be the final word that we will have regarding the King and Black storyline here. Unless, unless I'm missing something. If uh, anybody out there knows, please hit me up and let me know. But overall, I had a really, really good time with this issue. The art was lovely. Um, just a whole bunch of uh, situations that on... I mean, the comic is on paper. But on paper, as concepts and as ideas, none of this stuff should work. Right? This is Conan hanging out with Deadpool. Deadpool being shot in the head. Deadpool having his throat slit. Nightflyer coming in. I mean, these are things that should not work at all. And uh, Duggan and uh, Walker are able just to knock it out of the park here and really put together a wonderfully fun issue. If uh, if you're not reading Savage Avengers, if you think it's just another Avengers book, well, maybe give it a shot. I'm, I'm assuming that some of it is available on Marvel Unlimited if you are a Marvel Unlimited subscriber. Maybe give it a look. I can't promise anything because I've only read this issue. I, I wouldn't surprise me much if the first arc of this volume is more of a team book before we break things down into the quasi-team-up book here. Uh, I think the issue that just came out a week or two ago was a Spider-Man and Conan team-up, and I believe next month is a Ghost Rider and Conan team-up. So, I mean, that's that's some fun stuff. That's some pretty fun stuff. So if you if you were concerned that this is just the Skady 800th uh, Avengers book that you'd have to add to your pile, maybe give it a go. Maybe give it a look. But uh, that is all I have to say about Savage Avengers number 18. Let's hop into the mailbag here. We have one message to get to, and hopefully I can get through it without passing out from this intense heat radiating through my body. Uh, This is from Evan, and he's talking about Excalibur number 17. He says, Your exasperation with Excalibur makes the recaps very entertaining. I'm sorry to enjoy your suffering. This issue was quite confusing. I understood, and perhaps misunderstood, that the queen in this reality was a version of Betsy. Not sure why she was there and Queen Betsy was gone. Is this some sort of quantum leap situation? It could have been interesting, even the awkward pairing with Quinan, but you summed it up best. It just seems like a lot of scenes put together, and I can't seem to follow the why. That's Excalibur in a nutshell, isn't it? I mean, you put it very, very eloquently there. This is all Excalibur really is. Um... It's funny, in the recent Excalibur that I think that was either last episode or the one before that, uh, we took a look at Excalibur number seven, uh, 19, where Queen Betsy showed up for one panel <laughs> and mentioned that uh, real Betsy took her place briefly and didn't really do anything, didn't really do anything to harm anything. So it was just kind of a no harm, no foul sort of situation. But I really couldn't tell you um, if it was like a quantum leap thing. Did Betsy just occupy that body and then... When she entered the Star Sapphire thing at the uh, at the high tech, you know, Black Ops lighthouse, was the body still there and just like the Queen re inhabited it, <laughs> and the essence just moved on? 
I really don't know. I really don't. Uh, that wasn't clarified in issue 19. Uh, certainly wasn't clarified in issue 17. I don't even know if I got a mention in issue 18. I mean, yeah, Excalibur, as you said, it, it's just scenes. It's beginnings and no endings, right? It's like, here's a bunch of ideas. And, uh, okay, here's the next idea. It's like, well, we didn't finish the last one. Well, don't worry about it. We don't need to. We're, people will be able to fill in the uh, the blank spots themselves. It's kind of like... Those old uh, vision tests, so those reading tests where, like, you look at the board and uh, you'd get two little halves of words, right? Or two little portions of words with blanks in them and, like, your mind fills it in for you. I think that's kind of what we're doing with Excalibur here. We have to fill everything in with our mind, the stuff we don't see. Just like in 19 here, it's like we opened with uh, Betsy's black market body strapped to a table or or down on a table, uh, subdued. And uh, we didn't see that happening. We just saw her get knocked over. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, Excalibur is a toughie here. I'm hoping that... Uh, I'm hoping we're just spinning our wheels here. Killing time till the uh, Hellfire Gala. And then maybe we can... Maybe we can jump off in another direction here. Maybe we won't have Psylocke and Qu- or Betsy and Quanon fighting all the time. Maybe we won't be in Otherworld all the time. Maybe we'll just have some... I don't know, fun X-Men type stories. <laughs> I know it's a lot to ask for, but uh, fingers are crossed here. And uh, actually, we might be going into a fun-ish X-Men story next issue of Excalibur with Excalibur 20 with uh, Malice being released on Krakoa. So hopefully that means we're not going to Otherworld. And, you know, I actually neglected to mention during the discussion of that issue that that Evan himself had uh, had brought up uh, Malice asking where she was because... I believe he theorized that maybe Malice was somehow inside of Havoc, and that's why he was with the Hellions. So uh, now we know where she's at. So the Alex question is still one that we don't have an answer to. So we'll keep our eyes open, we'll keep our eyes peeled, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But I do want to thank you so much for writing in about that uh, rather baffling book. Evan, it really, really means a lot to me. Now, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, join the mailbag, uh, join the ranks of the rest of us fake-ass comics historians with a bent toward the X-Men, um, please, I, I, I would encourage you to write in to me. I'm very easy to find. You can find me on Twitter, at Ace Comics. You could find me on Instagram at 90sXmen. Or you could shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's also the dedicated X-Lapsed page, xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. That one's set up to look like a, uh, it's like a like little spinning tiles. It looks pretty cool. I, I stare at it way too often, despite the fact that, you know, I, I barely think anybody knows it exists. But it's, it's pretty cool to look at, and I would encourage you to look at it, I guess. Uh, you can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men, and... Uh, I'm in the midst of a move right now, as I've mentioned time and again, and uh, just discovered my box of Amazing Heroes uh, magazines from the uh, early, uh, start in the early 80s. They go through, uh, I believe, the early 90s, the ones I've got. But I've been uh, putting up uh, old, ancient articles about the X-Men on the Facebook group here. Uh, There's a hero history up there right now. It's something like 15, 16 pages uh, that cover the entire X-Men history from X-Men number one to uh, the time they went to uh, reprints with uh, after issue 66. So it's a pretty fun read. A lot of interesting information there. It's it's neat to get the um, the 1984 take on 
on the earliest Xbox here because, I mean, that wasn't too far removed. It was only, boy, 21 years, right? If we go back 21 years from now, that's the year 2000. <laughs> that doesn't seem like too long ago, does it? But uh, it's really cool to get a... Uh, to get kind of the gestaltiness of a writer in 1984 reflecting on the original 66 issues of X-Men here and talking about how, uh, you know, this is where Roy Thomas, you know, kind of, he got up to speed here. This is where he found his his feet with the X-Men. Really, really cool stuff. And just uh, something from a bygone era that uh, we just don't see a whole lot of anymore these days. So um, I would encourage you to hop over to uh, 90s X-Men on Facebook if you'd like to take a look at that fun article. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic chatter needs, you can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. It's available anywhere you could find noise and sound. And if you like what you hear there, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, it would mean the world to me if you'd spread the word, share the show, tell a friend or two that this show exists, and maybe it might just be something that they dig. But uh, that's where we're going to leave for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.